welcome to the Bronovo Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Okay, welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Bronovo Podcast. For the 100th episode, I have a fantastic and unique guest, my good friend, uh, and a former manager, Patty Coyne. Patty is a experienced um, coach and business person on the sports side of the house. He's a lifelong and passionate soccer, uh, that's football coach and player, formerly at San Francisco FC, currently at the Olympic Club in the Bay Area. And he's had an international career in business development and sales in the construction industry leading him from Australia back over to the U.S. where he currently resides in San Francisco. So welcome, Patty. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. How are you? <laughs> yeah. Just just surprised you with the 100th right there. That was nice. That was a nice uh... touch. I think you invited me in on number number five, maybe. And I, I dodged a bullet for <laughs> yeah. 95 times. So here I am and happy I am to be here. It's a, it's a privilege to have you, man. You've been a oh, fantastic, man. Just played some touch rugby on the on the beach, so life is good. Patty, I, I always have folks talk about their you know the backgrounds a little bit, and you have an interesting background of you know Irish and English, if I'm not mistaken, in the in the heritage. I think Irish foremost, at least when it comes to doing business in San Francisco. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Irish family. My mother's from uh, County Clare in Ireland. She's a l- large family. I mean, she's got like nine brothers and sisters. And then um, my father was from Galway, Connemara, on the west. Um, grew up speaking nothing but Irish. All my aunties and uncles, everything is in Gaelic. And um, and as we were kids, and they moved to Birmingham, England, which is a complete melting pot of everything. So on my street, I remember growing up, we had a Jamaican neighbor, a lad up the road from Mauritius, a Chinese chap next door, um, and then a huge, huge Irish community uh, in around the Birmingham area. So Birmingham, Manchester, London, uh, that, that, these are the main hubs for a lot of the Irish people back in the day. Um, this would have been in the 80s. So I grew up there, two sisters and a brother and and. Gaelic football and hurling were the big sports that were kind of pushed on me as a kid. But of course, being in England, soccer's <laughs> everywhere, right? Or football. So um, probably that they were the three sports we played. Played a bit of rugby as well growing up. But ever since I can remember, like a ball and a sport has been in the house. Sports are always on the TV, from horse racing to boxing to you know, you name it, it was on. So um, when I was eighteen. I always had this fantasy of moving to New York. You know, it's like the Irish story. Um, <laughs> and I got an opportunity playing soccer and, uh, well, actually coaching soccer, but I was playing soccer for, you know, a, a semi-pro kind of non-league team trying to go places. And uh, the coach said, hey, well, what are you doing this summer? My buddy's just started a coaching company in the U.S. And I was right on the cusp of starting college then in September. So I figured I'd take a gap year. And the visa and everything was all sponsored by this company. And um, off I went, 
one-way ticket with a, a buddy of mine, Michael Lamb. Shout out to Michael Lamb, M. Lamb Construction in, in Birmingham, England. Uh, and me and Mike just hit the road and <laughs> flew to bloody Redlands, California. Had no idea where I was going and what I was getting Brutal. into. Yeah, it was roasting hot. It's getting funny looks off everybody because I had little rugby shorts on and uh, everyone had the long old <laughs> basketball shorts on. You've seen my legs, right? So, um, yeah, we got there on campus at Redlands University and and that's where it all began with this kind of coaching company and they kind of put you out there. You do like a little four-day setup to kind of get you ready for for how it's going to be, you know, how a camp is run, and then they put you on the road. And I was on the road for like three months, traveling around the USA for every week a different location around the country. Well, around the West Coast, I should say. That's awesome. So you got a taste of a lot of the Western states. And <clears throat> did you ever, you know, want to scratch that itch of living on the East Coast? You've been in California for a while now. Yeah. Um, the American dream started in, in Cali. <laughs> and then it went up the Northwest. Kind of got a vibe for Seattle, Portland. And then we went down to Arizona. But just the whole young guy coming to the glitz and glamour of like Orange County in LA and you know all the girls are beautiful all the guys are ripped you know everyone can surf and uh -huh. skate and I'm like oh I mind a bit of this so um I kind of locked in on a Laguna Beach and lived there for five years and uh started a soccer school there and ran a soccer club and actually ran a high school program in Laguna um so never quite got the, the East Coast itch, but I love going to New York. My wife's from Philly, as you know. So maybe one day. It's definitely more of a, a European spot when I go over there, especially from a sport perspective. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. kind of diehard, aren't they? It's not like – it's a bit wishy-washy here, to be honest, especially in SoCal. Kind of fake fans, yeah. I feel. But uh, when you go over there, it's tribe. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, there's nothing else to do because the weather's shit, so you have to – sit in the bar and drink every Sunday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had the reverse because when I came out here, I was like, oh, it's 10 a.m. My options are, you know, go bike over the Golden Gate Bridge, swim in the bay, play rugby, or sit in the bar and drink and watch the Eagles. <laughs> What'd you choose? So, yeah, I, I, went, I went the former. But <laughs> you don't know. Most days. Yeah. Awesome, man. And then, so when we met for context, you were my manager at, at Hilti. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's start from the beginning here. <laughs> the uh, the interview process. So Tom was uh, one of my All first right, I'll give... <laughs> And he had a lovely suit jacket on that looked like a lineman from uh, the Philadelphia Eagles had worn it before. It's large shoulders <laughs> that he didn't feel. But, uh, well, how old were you then, Tom, if you don't mind asking Fuck, like 22? Yeah, pretty pretty raw. Like We kind of threw you in the deep end. And I was like, this kid will swim. It'll be fine. And true that, you did. You're done, you're done great. Hats off. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you, thank you. I, I actually was telling Kendall this the other day. Before I walked in to the interview, I was taking the piss. And Patty walks in the bathroom. And he's like, oh, yeah. Bit of rugby on the resume. Love to see it. And I was like, oh, yeah. Hell, yeah, dude. And he's like, you're like, just be yourself. Just relax. You'll do great. And I was like, wow, that's fantastic. It, put, it totally made me comfortable. And, 
you know, I use that now whenever I'm interviewing people from at our company. I just say, you know what, just be yourself, <laughs> relax. It's very intimidating, I'd imagine. I mean, I've been in yeah, a bunch of yeah, interviews yeah. myself, but like, just we don't do it often enough, right? If you don't have reps at summer, it's always going to be a unique feeling. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. So that 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 already is a good insight into how your mind works because you are a coach, I would say, at heart, right? You identify that is a skill that needs to be worked on. So how how has coaching soccer influenced how you read people and how you approach dealing with people, you know, not on a pitch? Um I think yeah, my mom is quite the um She's not a politician, but she, she, you'd think she was when she walks around town back home waving, <laughs> hello, hello, hello. But she was um, pretty popular, you know, B- busy woman. But she 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 always taught all of us to be empathetic, you know, put yourself in their shoes was uh, was something that was set at our dinner table a lot growing up. Um, and that's kind of the lens I look at everything through, whether it's business, whether it's life, whether it's coaching. Um the similarities we have in in soccer, like let's just say coaching sports, team sports, and and business is is goal setting. You know, we all have the championship you want to win. You have a quota you want to win as a team, um, and then down from that part of the team, you have your individual goals. You want to be a con- contributor, whether it's defending or assists or goals. Similar in business, right? You're going to have some kind of carrot there, KPI, that's going to pay you for overperforming. Um, so I like myself to work with ex-athletes in, in a business perspective, and especially team sport athletes when we're on a team because, you know, you can share the weight with them. Um, I've had experiences working with individual athletes, tennis players and things like that. Sometimes it's it's, it's a little bit different, right? So... <laughs> Not dropping any names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. It can be. And um, what about like personas, right? Because just like on sport, there's going to be a finisher, right? There's going to be the assister. You know, what are the, if you were to, let's say a sales team, what are the big buckets that you would put people in as far as their personalities and their comfortable roles, like because I would imagine, after getting to know someone, you're kind of automatically assessing them and what kind of what bracket they they fit into. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, you know, box them because we're always evolving. Like, let's just talk about our journey together. At the beginning, you know, the company we're with, they give very good guidance on how to lead and how to coach. So we had bumpers and a framework. But within that, there's there's an EQ, and we have to figure out how do we get the most out of Tommy Pierce. What's Tom into? You know, um, you needed direction, but that was about it. You didn't need to be kind of taken in and roll out a red carpet for you. It's like, hey, this is what you should achieve. This is how you can go do it. Now go try and fail. That's okay. Come back and let's try again, um, and kind of review the process of how you've done it and uh, the success of maybe what happened or, or maybe the failures of what happened. But I think that self-reflection is, is key. So to answer your question, like hmm. the coaching style is an evolution. Like we have a, my style is this is our team. 
this is what we do. But then I manage every player a little bit differently. Um, soccer, you know, we got For sure. a game last Sunday. We got 11 guys on the field. We got four subs. And not one of them are the same type of player, type of person. And this is, you know, amateur soccer at its best. And these guys take it seriously. They've all played at a top level. But, you know, that that's a good thing that they've played at a high level. But now they're, they're doing it for a bit of fun. And God knows what they do on a Saturday night before the Sunday game. But you have to be very lenient with this stuff because it's, you know, we're not paying them. It, it's their life. They can choose what they want to do. But I've got to have a, you know, a, a different approach for each player. But we're always going to have two or three common goals that we're all, all in on as far as our team goals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Similar to what you see in the rugby world. And then how did – oh, for sure, because it even it even works with like – let's say in, in the rugby scenario, <clears throat> there's two options, right? There's the ball carrier, and if, they're, if you know they're a distributor, you can either take the space outside of them and let them put you in a hole or run a line off of them and give them a chance to use you as a distraction, you know, to create space. And I feel like it's kind of similar. I do that with work. If it's like, I know this person, they don't want, they may, they're not a closer necessarily. Like we all close because we're in sales, but they want to be a facilitator. They want to distribute. They want to set up the meeting. They want to be the, kind of glue person not the make the ask of the yeah. so yeah it's just kind of why why i asked that because i think that another way i've learned recently is the whole um w- looking at people and how they work there's the affiliation power and achievement as their three matrices you know and, and it actually was really interesting i was in a sales call the other day and the guy i was working with he was like okay so we're gonna go in to this call right now. And depending on, we're going to assess which of those three our our client is, and we're going to have a different strategy for how we approach them, depending on what our assessment. How quickly could you get this assessment? I took, it took 25, 30 minutes of conversation, I would say. Okay. Yeah. And you, you, you tap yeah. your, your was, colleague was, on the leg. You're like, okay. Hey. So and so. See. Yeah. See, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Change the tactic. I like it. Yeah. And another another thing, Patty, that I've always admired about you is your ability to connect with people and make friends. Uh very jovial, you know, you know everybody and their and their mother on, on the on the street, you know, this this buddy's kid plays soccer here and this guy's uncle and you know that's that's a special thing because a lot of people probably wish they could do that, but don't. So, you know, you, I think you alluded to it a little bit with Birmingham and how of a diverse place it was in interacting with different types of people. But is that something that came naturally to you? Did you have to develop that? Uh, I think a bit of it, like, obviously, is, is natural. You know, you're born with some skills. My mother was, like I said earlier, very social. We had a very social home growing up, so the the environment is massive. Um, this is something I'm battling with now as, as a father of two San Franciscan sons. My little boys are like seven and five. <laughs> but the the older lad, he he loves going out there and shaking hands and having a chat. 
but the younger guy is a bit more reserved. <laughs> um, my wife asked me the other day, she said, what, what, how was it for you growing up? I would literally on a Saturday morning, when I, I remember this vividly being like 9, 10, 11, going out, going to my dad at a construction company, work in the yard maybe for a couple of hours, get a bit of money, go buy a toy with my dad in the little town, the village. And then I'd go into um, a betting shop. We call them bookies. And the bookies would be literally like that. There used to be smoke <laughs> going on, guys filling in, no alcohol, but filling in tickets, screens everywhere. And my dad would just sit me up in the corner with my new toy and maybe, you know, McDonald's or something, like a Happy Meal. And um, he'd go place bets and chat to guys. So I'd just sit there and chat to guys as well. And, you know, guys would come up, Jamaican go, what a go on, little P, you know, like this. And Indian fellas come up and have a chat. And it, it was just normal. It was so fluid, you know. And then another thing I noticed that in the States you don't really have is, is kids aren't involved in social events with adults as much. Weddings typically are adults only, you know, bar mitzvahs, christenings, all these different events. Um, in, in, in the UK and Ireland, you go to the pub on a Sunday or we have social clubs and there's as many kids as adults, you know, running around at 8, 9 p.m. at night, loaded on Coca-Cola or Sprite, you know, but hanging out around the pool table. <laughs> and, and, and we're involved in, in discussions. You know, some of the kids might sit around and, hang with their parents on the table and try and get involved in the conversation. And that, that was kind of the thing for me. I'm a very good pool player, Tom, because I grew up in this environment as well, playing pool in, in, in pubs and social <laughs> clubs. So um, I think that's got a lot to do with it. And then uh, Gaelic football and soccer and hurling, all the different sports, there are very much community sports. Um, and we play for our local village teams. So another thing in the States, it seems in California, kids in San Francisco will drive to San Jose to play for the best team. That's like an hour and a half drive in traffic. Or they'll go to the East Bay when there's probably, you drive past 10 teams before you get there. In the UK, it was more, you play in your local team, especially in Ireland. Like if you're from a certain village, you represent that village and you'll, you'll, you'll be with them from cradle to grave, you know? And that creates bond and community and a level of comfort where you're you're okay to shoot the shit with anyone. And in these uh, social environments, like I said, there's there's grandma, grandpa all the way down to the newborns, and you're mixing it up with all of them. So that's something I'm trying to create yeah. here and in, in where we live. So, ah, oh, wonderful. Yeah, that was, that was going to be my next question because I also have that you know orientation. We could say I'm very you know, chatty, but I have to push through it because I feel like the norm here is not, you know, if you just try to, you know, I'm sure it's happened to you before. You, some people, you try to chat them up and they look at you like, like you're, you know, you got four eyeballs or something. And yeah. That's also a city thing, probably, you know, I don't know, rural areas even or social. Some of the rural yeah. areas are tough for me or the suburbs, you know, it's like, who's this guy? What's he want to know? What's he doing? <laughs> you know, the city, it, it's kind of, they're used to it. It's kind of more fluid. Um, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, each to their own. And if people aren't comfortable having a chat or, you know, 
I take him by surprise. It, it is what it is. I'll, I'll move on to the next one. <laughs> it, it's it's <laughs> it's a good skill to have for sales, I suppose. But uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you've seen that way as well. I've seen you and kind of work in a room and, and being authentic. I think that there is a level of uh, people trying to talk, to network, to meet people for gain, while the world I'm from, it's how's your day? Well, like, like you said, small talk, right? It might come across as small talk, but it's actually like I call it relationship building. Um, the little things, you know, the why, why are you here? How did you get here? Who are you here with? Where are you from? You know what I mean? And yeah. finding out more about that person's reasoning for the immediate now. No, no. I, I would never in my life go up to someone and ask them, what do you do then? I get that question all the time. <laughs> I used to fly around the West Coast a lot in my old role, and fair enough, you're in an airport or you're in a hotel, but like you sit at the bar, and before a guy even knows your name, so Patty, what do you do? Tonight I'm going to be a fucking architect. Last night I was, you know, whatever, a brain surgeon. But but that wouldn't happen as much back home. It's more uh, interesting. Did did you see the game? What'd you have for dinner? How you yeah. feeling these days? Yeah, I love it. Love it, man. And you do have that uh, Irish Cultural Center out there in, in, in San Francisco, which is, I don't know how, if you're involved in that, but that jumps out to me as a good place for you. <laughs> no, I enjoy it, yeah. I don't go as much as I should, to be honest. They're um, they're in a remodel process right now, and they're raising money and you know big community project to uh, redevelop it. So that's pretty cool. Um, a few of my They're raising money, so I'm staying the hell away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I'll hit some of the fundraisers, but um, the fundraisers have been really fun, right? They'll do big concert series. They'll do some um, did some pro pro unboxing events there. A lot of Irish cool. dance and stuff, um, and I support them. But like, I wouldn't go down there on the regular for a, you know a quick beer or anything. Yeah, but that's it. They're probably down there once a month for one of these events. Yeah. And then on the sales side, how was your, you know, I guess there probably came a point where you you had to choose between staying as an individual contributor and going into management. What were the, you went into management, you know, what are the pros and cons of that for you? And is that something you want to get back into or stay in or, you know, cause I feel like you're on, you're on the business side for life. Like that's my guess. So how do you look at, you know, types of roles now in your career and, and the future options you could take? Yeah, I, I recently had a, a career pivot. And when I was going through, the reason for it was um, travel, right? I was traveling too much. My kids were giving me grief. My wife was giving me grief. I was giving myself grief. I wanted to coach them. Um, so I'm now with a new company in the same kind of vertical of construction, but in like special inspections, right? And I absolutely love it. Um, but what I do love the most is just selling, but it's not really selling. It's more relationship building, probing, asking questions, learning new stuff. So although I'm still in the construction world, like every day it's, it's a Pandora's box of newness. You know, I'm just like, what's this? Why is this? How is this? Um, some similar clients are in the same world, but there's a whole skew of new clients that I'm going after. 
Um, and I, I'm really enjoying it because I'm just free. I'm like an individual contributor. I'm the tennis player or the golfer. Um, but we have a team and we have a great team, you know, that's there and that, that's going to get stronger and I'll feel more part of that team more down the line here, I'm sure. But my, um, my thing now every morning is just get out there and learn. And uh, it's pretty inspiring. I'm enjoying it. Hell yeah, man. And and how do you organize yourself? Because, you know, and this is a learning lesson for other salespeople listening. You have this big sandbox, right? Probably of so many things you could do. How do you stay organized? How do you strategize? How do you... Yeah, those are two good questions. Yeah. Just to go back on your last question, I don't think I fully answered it. Uh-huh. The managing people piece. Uh-huh. I will go back into that eventually. Um, I enjoy it. It is hard at times because you you know you carry the load of everybody's kind of problems, and I've done it through the whole COVID <laughs> period. Um, I was yeah, just a true. bit drained on it, to be honest. Um, doing that and then doing the sports, you know, I'm pretty hands on with whatever I do, and like I carry the load from the sports as well. If if it's a loss on a Sunday or you know, a, a, a bad player within the group that can cause issues. I take it on personally. Um, but one day I'll go back to it. When that day is, I'm not sure. For the moment, I'm, I'm loving being the guy, the sales guy. Um, to your second question, uh, my process, we, you know, with, with technology now, like from a sales perspective, I can run everything through like Outlook and Salesforce. There's, when I come into this company, there's a lot of different softwares being used. There's Slack, there's this, there's that, and there's a lot out there. But for me, I've, um, I've narrowed it down to two. Um, and now I'm trying to create patterns in my life, right, where up at a regular time, bed at a regular time. It's hard to do in the sales world because, you know, I'm out doing stuff with clients and soccer stuff each night, but I'm trying to get a regular pattern going. Um, and it, it's ever evolving. I kind of treat Thursday nights as the start of the weekend. I always do something fun on a Thursday, uh, on a Sunday, I'll sit down and I'll map out my week. I've got like this thing, like an A4 old school calendar and I'll write it and then I'll put it into Outlook or map it out with my wife. We do something called, um, cocktails and calendars and, uh, (laughs) I coach kids soccer as well, right? So that takes up a bit of time. So we try and make sure all the schedules are good, kids are good, work's good, get it all in there, throw in a babysitter here or there, and uh, and off we go and we attack it. Um, I read quite a few books. Like I found this, this one thing, like as simple as laying out your clothes the night before for what you're going to do. That was a little life hack I started this year um, in January, and, and, and that's been great. Just to kind of, when the alarm goes off, I know I've got three things I've got to do before I go down into the garage and work out or hit the road early, whatever it might be. Nice, man. Yeah, I, I love I love to lay my clothes out. <laughs> You're that kind of guy. I, I also, dude, I, I made a Hilti uniform for my current work, basically. Like I just have two long sleeve, two short sleeve embroidered button downs with the logo. Yeah. Easy. That's good. Are you, are you traveling a lot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been interesting. I've been going pretty much, dude, all over um, 
Boston, Virginia, Texas, Illinois. Yeah. Um, it's been interesting. I'm back in the on-site demo game a little bit. Um, the approach we do is a lot of virtual stuff first and then demo in person. Um, and it's great. It's a wow demo. It's a, it's a very innovative product. So the existing ones are just basically carts with lights. And then we have a robot that moves itself with the lights. So if done well, it's a wow demo. Um, and I actually was with a, I, I, I realized I need to knock the rust off because it was one of those moments where we had our meeting set with the decision maker. <clears throat> he wasn't there yet in the basement or in the office area. And then my, my partner I'm working with this guy's Eric. He's, he's great. He's like career sales guy. He's straight into the assistant's office. Hey, Steve, how are you? Like to the chief nurse, like, Oh, Martha, what's going on? Like, ah, you know, Bob's your uncle, you know, just messing around with him. And it totally made me like, ah, oh, yeah, like, dude, like, don't waste the time there. You know, if you're on a client site, go shake hands, you know, introduce yourself, leave a good impression because these other people, even if they're not the direct decision maker, they have an influence on how things go, right? Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Bro Nouveau Podcast. Please leave the show a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. To enjoy full-length video episodes, head over to YouTube. You can search Bro Nouveau or simply follow the link in the episode description below. If you or someone you know would make a fascinating guest for this kind of conversation, you can reach me via email. That address is contact at bronouveau.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, yeah. What's your opinion on research of individuals before you meet them? I'm I I uh I am pro. Uh I don't think I do it enough. <laughs> uh yeah, I've actually I've actually kicked myself in meetings for not doing thorough enough prep and also reviewing prior calls. Um because I feel like if you just come in with that sharp delivery of, you know, like this is what we talked about last time. This is who's running this scope of this project. This is the quantitative quantitative figure of something, whatever we talked about last time. I feel like it just gives that credibility, you know? Yeah, I've kind of gone back and forth on it. Like LinkedIn was such a dream tool and you've got all these other <laughs> products out there at the beginning. But then I'm like, I know too much about people before I meet them. And it kind of takes me out of my um, flow state, you know, of like yeah, yeah, being yeah. inquisitive and coming across very natural. Like if I know where you went to school and who you're married to and what you like to do and how long you've been <laughs> there, you know, it's like it's took the openers out. Um, yeah, that's fair. But it, 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 it's, it's balance, right? It's all about yeah. balance. You're not a sociopath, so you wouldn't like ask the questions knowing the answers. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So you went here? Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so a big part of the sales process too is making the ask, right? Like you set it up so at a certain point you have to ask for the business. How do you know what is the right time to make the ask? 
Um, it varies completely. I mean, in our old world, right, there would there'd be multiple queues or sometimes we wouldn't be talking to the end user who'd be the purchaser, but the end user would be on a project, so to speak. So that that was hard to, to position. Um, in this current role, we, we, we build proposals. So a lot of the information we get is is two, three months out before we can actually get a decision. So it's something I'm navigating now. I sit in these sales meetings and I've got, you know, a couple of guys on the team that they're, they ask for updates weekly, like it's transactional. But you can't call in a client weekly for some of them might be four right. months out. You know, it's going to piss them off. So um, I'm trying to be front of mind here when I do hand over the proposal. Hey, look, I want a calendar you're in for when we can talk again. How does three months sound? How does three weeks sound? Um, I find out where they're working, where their office is. I'm going to be in Napa in four weeks. I'm guessing you're going to be ready then, Tom, to uh, show me a proposal, to, to level out this proposal, and I can walk you through it. Can I get you on the calendar for a uh, nine holes of golf or a bit of lunch or whatever it might be? You know what I mean? A tarot reading. Um, <laughs> so that, that, that's what I'm trying to do now. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Longer, not, not as transactional. All right, Patty. And then the other, you know, the other big topic on the Bronovo podcast is of course, healthy communication for men. And, you know, it's something we talk about directly and indirectly, but you know, you're in a very interesting place in San Francisco, right? It's a much, much maligned place. Everybody has their feelings about San Francisco. It seems like, <laughs> and uh it has can, can i just jump in real quick on the san fran comment yeah yeah you'd think it's bloody world war three when you speak <laughs> to people like my mom or a family out of here even i went to texas the other week and this guy oh, was at the bar and is like uh where, where are you going if he thought i was going back to ireland or something and i'm like san fran mate i'm just taking a flight here and he looked at me and goes oh i'm sorry like they literally think it's that bad it's not that bad just let all your 160,000 listeners know that we're alive the city's going to get through this it's troubled times like a lot of cities coming out of covid but it's a little bit of growing pain it's still an innovation hub a cultural eclectic mix of everything it's a top spot and i'm loving it I I uh, I agree. It's fabulous, man. Like, hop on the bike, go for you know, go for a spin. You're down there on Chrissy Fields. It's a sunny day. Like people, people take flights around the world to come visit this place. It's like a postcard, you know. And yeah, you got the surf. <clears throat> yeah, it's good stuff. Um, but the. Yeah, so you're in a very, you know, progressive environment, right? I think you're a respectful person. You talked about empathy, right? That's a big thing, you know. I remember also once uh I was uh having a whinge about someone else in our team probably and you were like, "Listen, man, get your own house in order first and then we can work on everyone else's." Which yeah. is a good uh <laughs> a good zinger. But yeah, you know, you're you're a father, so what are the things when we think about like healthy masculinity and being a good man? What are those values that come to mind for you and, and the ones you try to impart, you know, within your own family? Um, it's a big question. I think 
you know, the, the, the dad in me now, I'm always cruising myself and like my seven year old's all over the place. He's a very active boy. Um, so I'm like <laughs> respect, you know, and he's like, dad, what's respect? And I'm like, that's a, yeah, that's a good question. And we go into like <laughs> examples of respect, you know, uh, and manners and, and sometimes it kind of makes me think about, you know, am I being respectful? But that, that, that that's a, a loaded word. Um, and it's similar to try and stall in the kids, respect, manners, and, and, you know, treat people how you want to be treated. Back to that thing. My mom was me and uh, empathy in the, in the business world. I think, uh, there's a happy place where we can all win the product or whatever it is you're selling or the service you're offering. We're all in here. There's, there's, there's clients that have a need. You have a service that, that's going to fill their need. Where's that happy place where both people can come out of this winning? I make enough profit on my product that I developed or my service that I created and the consumer, the end user, the client, wins for what they're purchasing for what they're going to do with it people get greedy and greedy isn't consistent it's not going to stay that way forever and um mm-hmm. and, you know a lot, a lot of people that they buy off of off relationships and sometimes even if you have a better product or a more quality service you won't win business if if it's not being represented right so I always look for that kind of area, right? Understand their needs, understand their pain points, understand their timeline and their, their, their ease of what's going on and, and try find a balance where, you know, I know my costs. I know what's going on in our world. But back home, we said we don't want to pull their pants down, you know? Let, let's, let's get an area where we can both win here. Yeah. Yeah, I think I truly learned the uh the art of a fair bargain with your with the patties in San Francisco. <laughs> but they're loyal, you know, that that yeah. whole community that they probably don't do business with the company now because they just they make it very clear we want really good service, we want a really good product and we want honesty and integrity on it and and we'll keep coming to you. And it is hard sometimes, you know, they might call you up on a weekend looking to do this and that, but then when you need them back, right, end of the quota or end of the month or end of the year, right. they're there to sell it day. So, and you, you, you live through that, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. And, uh, it's fascinating. Fun times. Well, awesome, man. Patty, you are an absolute legend. Uh, a influential person in my life so it's an honor to get your your thoughts on record here and i'll say thank you very much for for recording a podcast do you have any parting thoughts or anything you wanted to share share with the audience no i just love that you're doing this and um touching upon uh, the masculinity piece and then ways men should be i think uh, we need more of these discussions out there so keep up the good work brother i'm proud of you appreciate it bro Thank you. And Talk to you later. Patty, pattycoin.com. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>